Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm-up, BFW's weekly show where we hit on everything, all the biggest news, all the latest transfer rumors, the state of Bayern Munich, and much more. Let's get right to it. Uh, obviously, this week has been crazy. Uh, this whole period for Bayern Munich has been crazy. We have seen really unprecedented change at this point of the season. We've seen some massive highs and we've seen the team experience some of the lowest of lows. They were eliminated from the day of Bay Pokal. They got hammered by man city three nil in the first leg of their champions league tie. Things are not great with Bayern Munich, but what we have on the agenda for this program is a lot of talk about that. A preview of Bayern Munich versus Hoffenheim we'll take a look at all of the attacker stories that we have seen over the past week. So many different players have been linked to Bayern Munich. Something's got to give this summer. The team needs a striker. There are a whole hell of a lot of strikers and, and other attackers that have been linked to the team. Something's going to happen. It's just a matter of what and who Thomas Tuchel wants. But like we always do when we do one of these combo shows, we are going to start with the preview of Bayern Munich versus Hoffenheim this weekend. And for a lot of reasons, this is an absolutely massive match. It didn't look that way just about two or three weeks ago, but now this is this is super important for Bayern Munich, for Thomas Tuchel, and for the league as a whole, because Bayern Munich needs to get itself together. So let's take a quick look at where each team is in the standings. Bayern Munich is holding a two-point lead over Borussia Dortmund for the top place in the Bundesliga table through 27 match days. Bayern Munich has 17 wins, seven draws, and three losses. They have scored 77 goals and have only allowed 29. Over the course of their last five league matches, they have four wins and one loss. Last week, they downed Freiburg 1-0 in a revenge match after Freiburg bounced Bayern Munich from the DFB Pokal. Despite that recent run of good form, there are a lot of question marks with this Bayern Munich team, and we'll hit on just about all of them during this show. As for Hoffenheim, it has not been a great season for Hoffenheim. Uh, somehow this club has been really competitive in recent history. They have been one of the teams that has not only been able to bring in solid talent, again, not like worldwide superstar talent, but solid talent, and also able to develop some talent as well. This season... It was just a little bit too much turmoil, too much roster turnover, not enough development, and some of their key acquisitions just haven't panned out. Either way, though, Hoffenheim has rebounded a little bit lately. Through 27 match days, they have eight wins, four draws, and 15 losses. They've scored 37 goals, allowed 46. That gives them 28 points. Again, they're in 14th place. That is just two points ahead of 15th place VFL Bochum. Over the last five games for Hoffenheim, they have three wins and two losses, including three wins in a row, which it's a pretty impressive run for Hoffenheim. They beat Hertha Berlin 3-1. They downed Werder Bremen 2-1. I know Marco Polo loved that one. And they beat Schalke 2-0 last week. So Hoffenheim, despite its poor run of form for the season, is hot right now. So this is a team that while you might look at the results they've had and you might look at the roster that they're putting together for this season and not be all too threatened, they can do some damage. They absolutely have talent. And in this case, 
Bayern Munich is coming off of a really debilitating loss against Man City in the Champions League. I won't say Bayern is fully susceptible to being knocked off here, but let's just say that there is a case where Bayern Munich could be a little distracted. Uh, this is a this is not an ideal situation for Bayern Munich against a team that is playing well. And Pellegrino Matarazzo's side has enough talent to where that they they really can be a threat to Bayern Munich. And let's just look at some of that talent that Hoffenheim has on the roster. Just when you scan it, you can see names like Angelino, John Brooks, Ozan Kabak, Pavel Katerbach, all among Kevin Vogt, all among the defensive players. In the midfield, Christoph Baumgartner, uh, Tom Bischoff. You see players like that, Thomas Delaney. Uh, you, you really you really see Dennis Geiger, uh, Sebastian Rudy, Angelo Stiller. You see players that have a lot of Bundesliga experience, you see players who have done great things in the league. It just hasn't all come together, especially in the midfield for Hoffenheim. Stiller is one of those players that I know a lot of Bayern Munich fans had high hopes for when he was with the club, but he's getting a chance to prove himself now. He's had an okay career. It's been up and down at Hoffenheim, but he's a player still that I know a lot of people will watch if his number gets called for this match. At forward, Hoffenheim still has the always dangerous Andre Kamarik, who has uh, not had his best season by any means, but he is still a threat when he's out there. So Hoffenheim has a talent base. They have experience, and they have a three-game win streak. Bayern Munich, on the other hand, uh, made a coaching change, has been in a bit of disarray, and really is coming off one of their worst efforts of the season, if not their worst effort of the season. In fact, I can't really think of many others that were worse than this one at least off the top of my head, and they're reeling a little bit. And I think what we're going to learn from this match is a lot about Thomas Tuchel's mentality. And one of the things that I found curious about Tuchel in the wake of the Manchester City match was he had issued a couple sets of quotes about Dio Upamakano. Now, Upamakano really, really struggled in that Man City match, and he's not the only center back who had a tough time dealing with the likes of Kevin De Bruyne and Erling Haaland and Bernardo Silva, Jack Grealish among them. I, listen, it happens to the best of them. Upa Makano's had a really, really good season, but he had a really, really bad game against City. Initially, Tuchel came out and supported Upa Makano, but later quotes that he gave to El Akeep, uh really, how can I say this uh, in a PC manner? really seemed to crack down on Upamakano. And I'm not saying that that's something to keep an eye on at this point, but this is one of the things that Tuchel has run into over the course of his career, where his criticism of players can sometimes be perceived the wrong way. And, and, and did Upamakano deserve to be criticized? Absolutely. He had a terrible game. Did he deserve any of the abuse that he caught online? No. But if the coach wants to say something about his performance, the coach has every right to. I just don't think the optics of it and how the quotes came out, I just don't think it looked great because it looked like, and these quotes could have happened seconds apart. They could have happened minutes apart. The fact of the matter is some of these didn't emerge in the German media until this morning and this being Wednesday. Uh, again, I'm recording this a little earlier than usual because I have some travel coming up. So it just looked like Tuchel had some time to really reflect on how he felt about Upamakana's performance and then tell us how he really felt. But either way, I think Tuchel has some tough choices to make. 
I think Upa Makano needs to get himself straight and get back on the right track. But we're going to learn about Tuchel because how he handles his starting lineup for this match is going to tell us a lot about how he's going to approach this job at Bayern Munich. The starting 11 didn't work against Man City. Uh, if you listen to the post-game show, you heard I need no name in myself really rail against it because I didn't feel like there was much, and I don't want to say there wasn't thought behind it because there obviously was, but there wasn't anything this season that would tell you that Serge Gnabry was the right call to play at striker in that spot. If you looked at Jamal Musial's recent form, playing him as the 10 was not the best move because he just had, he struggled there. Uh, Thomas Muller was the better option, and I'm not a member of the Muller Mafia. I know <laughs> I'm probably starting to lean that way at this rate, but I'm looking at things objectively on what works best for the team. And one of the things that Julian Nagelsmann discovered through all his trial and error over the past season and a half was that playing Muller and Musial together can work. And when he had the back three formation and he was rolling out the 3-2-4-1 or whatever it was, whatever variation it was, he had a 3 4 2 1, 3 4 1 2, however you want to line that up. He had discovered that that it was working. That was the best possible lineup was to include both of them, to put Kingsley Coman as a wing back, to, to trust that a back three was going to provide that, that foundation of coverage that was going to be needed when you have players like Alfonso Davies who drift far upfield and don't always get back. There was a lot of things going right that worked for Nagelsmann. The rug got swept out from under all that. Tuchel came in, fair or not, had to discover for himself who works where and when. And now he's still in his own trial and error period. So he's going to have to figure out, is he going to stick to his guns? Is he going to stick with his belief that that starting 11 was the best possible 11 he could have put out there on the biggest stage? And right now, this Hoffenheim game is a big stage. Bayern cannot afford to have a lapse here. And it's not just about the optics of it. It's not just about looking bad. It's about the club legitimately could lose the league title. They're already out of the Pokal. The Champions League is on a lifeline right now. The Bundesliga is no sure thing. Dortmund is still in striking distance. And Bayern Munich right now, for everything it has done this season and how well it has played at times is very susceptible because we don't know what Thomas Tuchel is going to do. I hope for the life of me that he figures out what works and what doesn't. But as a fan base, I know people are frustrated. I know there are people that are, that are one criticizing each other, criticizing us at BFW for, for being too negative, but not even being negative about the situation. I'm trying to take a step back from fandom. I'm trying to take a step back and observe what's going on and think with a clear mind, which is why I picked Man City in the last match. I, I didn't pick Man City because I'm a secret Pep fan or, or you know, my Erling Holland fandom is, has, has swept over how I feel about Bayern Munich. No, the odds makers had Manchester City as the favorite. You could see for yourself Bayern Munich was reeling on the field. If you want to call it the eye test, call it that. But the eye test over the past couple of weeks with Bayern Munich hasn't been great. It was, a, it was a nice start against Borussia Dortmund that kind of trailed off at the end. It was a terrible performance in the Pokal against Freiburg. It was another uneven showing last week against Freiburg. And then you had 
the team get destroyed against Man City. This is not a great place for Bayern Munich to be in right now. It's not a great place for Tuchel to be experimenting right now. He's got to figure this out because the last thing that Bayern Munich needs is more drama with the club making this a race for the league title. And it is still a race at this point, but Bayern Munich could pull itself ahead of the pack if it doesn't slip up. And that's going to be the big key this week. Can Bayern Munich avoid that malaise coming off of such a poor showing against Hoffenheim? Now, a lot of people want to think that Bayern Munich is going to show up with that fire in its belly. They're going to show up determined and confident. But sometimes these types of losses, like the one that happened against Manchester City, have a long-lasting effect on teams. It affects the mentality. It creates division. You can sure as hell bet that Thomas Muller wasn't happy about sitting on the bench. You know Sadio Mane was not happy about being on the bench for that type of match. But it's not just them that were probably unhappy. There are players in that locker room who are no doubt doing the roster math in their head. There are players in that locker room designing their own best 11 for this squad. And you know that they are also probably unhappy with how Tuchel approached that. It's a tough spot for the coach to be in. It is a tough spot for the club to be in right now. But Tuchel's going to have to push the right buttons. And if he goes out and he puts together another lackluster attacking group, if he tinkers too much with the back line because he didn't like what he saw out of Upa Meccano against Manchester City, he could be setting Byron up for a huge disappointment this weekend against Hoffenheim as well. So even trying to guess at what Tuchel's going to do and how he's going to line this team up it's a little bit crazy to even think about because I sure as hell don't know what he's thinking. I'm not even sure if he knows what he's thinking for the weekend just yet. Cause I know he and his coaching staff are going to do a deep dive analysis into the film. They're going to look at the form of the players in practice. And then ultimately they're going to have to make a call and hopefully it's the right one. So if I'm going to go out on a limb here and try and figure out what Tuchel's going to do, I think he's still going to be a bit stubborn and ignore the fact that Byron has been better in a back three this season. I think he'll still roll with that 4-2-3-1. I think he'll be using Jan Summer at goalkeeper. And Summer is an interesting case because he had some really great saves, but he has taken some massive hits in the media from pundits about his positioning and he's centimeters away from disaster and blah, blah, blah. Listen, of all the things that went wrong, and I know Summer wasn't perfect. He's been far from perfect since he made the move, but... I mean, the game could have easily been five or six nothing if he wasn't there. So uh, I don't want to crush him too hard. Could his positioning be better? Absolutely. But there were far bigger fish to fry in that match. Center back tandem, I think we're going to see Matthijs De Ligt and Diopa Makano again. I think De Ligt, uh, he rolled his ankle in that match. I mean, I don't think Byron's in a position to take chances and bench him. He is, listen, in my mind, been their best defender all season. That has nothing to do with... Uh, Upa Makano's performance against Manchester City. You know, Hernandez was having a great year, but he got hurt. Upa Makano's had a great year. Uh, there's no denying that. I thought the Licht got off to a slow start. Obviously, his fitness was an issue coming from Juventus, but he picked it up and really played well and has been excellent. In fact, looks like a future captain here, if you ask me. So, and I, and I need no name said that said as much on the, the post-game show. I, I think that the Licht of anyone has really established himself and really taking the reins here and and shown that he is exactly the type of player that Bayern Munich thought they were getting. Think of the outside back positions. Uh, Alfonso Davies did not have a good game against Man City, so I think he's going to sit. I think we'll see Jao Cancelo. 
that's going to become a, a heated topic here. We know that Bayern Munich likes Cancelo. They want to keep Cancelo. They're iffy about paying as much for Cancelo as Man City wants. Uh, Davies has not had a great season, and I've I've taken some heat for that, but I, I don't think he has. He's His defensive awareness has really been not good this season. Lost possession a lot. Uh, he's had some very questionable decisions in the final third. Uh, it just has not. He's had some very questionable decisions defensively as well. It, it's not been a great season for him. Still has a ton of talent. Doesn't mean he's a bad player, but he needs to be better. And I think he would even say that if you asked him, you know, got a private moment with him. I, I'm sure he would tell you he needs to improve his play. On the other side, if we're going with Jao Cancelo on the left, I think we're going to see Benjamin Pavar on the right. I think that Tuchel will be tempted to use Nusar Mizrahi. I don't think he wants to take that chance just yet. If Tuchel has made his mind up that Pavar is not a part of his future, if there is no back three and he's not going to need four starting caliber center backs next season, then we could start to see Pavar phased out and sold this summer. That's an absolute possibility. Uh, we will see, you know, this one decision alone will tell us a lot about how Tuchel feels about Pavar, where he thinks this is all going with Pavar. You know, you could also look at Josip Stanisic for that position. And given, you know, his performances of late, you would think Stanisic might have the edge. But Mizrahi was another player that was brought in last last summer. He's someone who is expected to be a starter. And I think that Tuchel's going to have to kick the tires on him at some point. It just won't be this weekend. I think Pavar will get another chance to show what he can do. And I think it will go a long way in helping Tuchel determine whether he wants to bring Pavar back or not. In the central midfield, again, I mean, it was not a superior performance from central midfielders. I didn't think Kimmich was great. Uh, Goretzka, I thought, was okay. I thought he did a, a decent job playing that that box-to-box role. But, you know, they didn't do anything to dominate the game. They did not control the pace of the game. They didn't really assert themselves like you hoped they would against Man City, and that was part of the reason why City was so effective. Uh, but I don't feel like Tuchel's going to make any radical changes here. If Marcel Sabitzer was around, I think we'd probably see him this weekend, but he's not. Uh, the only other option at this point is uh, Ryan Gravenberg, which I don't think is going to be a possibility because Gravenberg has, for all intents and purposes, uh, made himself an attacking midfielder. And I'm not sure, even though with the dearth of midfield options that Byron has at this point, that the Tuchel will trust Gravenberg to step in and play a role in what could be a really big match for the club. I guess another option, if 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 Tuchel really wanted to go this way, has become a guy no one talks about anymore in Daily Blind. <laughs> he could play the six if he had to, if Tuchel was looking to get Kimmich further upfield. But uh, Blind is someone who's completely off the radar. I think his Bayern Munich career is just about over. So uh, it was it was a nice run while you had it, Daily Blind, but it doesn't look like Tuchel is going to be dusting you off much uh, here the rest of the season. At wing, this is where it gets a little bit interesting. Leroy Sané has looked a little bit revived under Tuchel, but Sané has experienced these upward surges, uh, no pun intended, with Serge Gnabry uh, over the years when he's uh, started to really feel comfortable under a new coach. We saw it with Flick after some initial struggles. Sané really settled in and became a great player for Flick 
Uh, we saw it with Julian Nagelsmann. There was some up and down moments there, but he had some terrific moments under Nagelsmann as well. And we're starting to see it under Tuchel. Problem with Sané is not his talent. It's not his desire. It's not even, it's not his attitude, which a lot of people have knocked him for. Uh, I think it's mostly just been with his consistency. And while he's playing well right now, I mean, listen, he's not a world beater at this moment, but he's playing at, at a at a good level. It's still possible that he goes through one of these swoons. So, I mean, if you're Tuchel, you want to ride that until you start to see Sané deal with confidence issues or form, whatever seems to really trouble him uh, when he goes through these funks. Uh, you want to ride Sané until he hits that point. So I think we will see Sané at the wing. At the other wing position, this is this is really interesting. Do you use Kingsley Coman, who was so-so against Man City? Maybe. Do you use Serge Gnabry, who was invisible against City? Probably not. Uh, do you use Jamal Musiala as a wing? He's having a, a lot of trouble in the center of the park. Uh, he's Listen, he is most likely Bayern Munich's 10 of the future. But I think what we've seen from him is for him to be as effective as a player as possible, he needs to rely on those explosive movements and his dribbling and his vision. At this moment, teams are clogging up that area of the field for him. He's not able to break through it. And physically, he's getting beat up a bit. And, and I've been a proponent of, of saying that I don't think Musiala needs to, to bulk up because I don't think his game really requires that. But in the end, maybe he will need to start thinking about that. If, if he's going to truly be a 10, he's going to have to learn to deal with the physicality a little better. I think, personally, you put him out on the wing for now and give him a chance to, to get isolated and go 1v1 and beat defenders and create from the outside and work his way in. I think that's what he needs at this moment. I'm hoping to Tuchel sees that as well because I think it would be a huge thing for the kid to get a different look at the field, to be able to attack from a different angle, and I think it would help him and, and the team out jointly uh, to, to get things together. So I'm going to predict Musiala plays one of the wing spots. And I'm going to say Thomas Muller returns to the starting 11 uh, as the 10. I think at striker, we will see Sadio Mane, uh, unless there is some sort of recovery for Eric Maxim Chupo Moting that will allow him to be at a good level for this Hoffenheim match. Uh, I think we'll see Mane and, and Mane's position on this squad is very tenuous as well. We know Tuchel knows him from the Premier League. We understand that Tuchel has a, a bit of an affinity for Mane, but not selecting him in the Champions League when you know his profile in that competition, you know what he's done on the stage of that competition. Uh, it was very telling to me, especially because the selection over Mane was Serge Gnabry, who, let's be honest, has not been very good of late. So that's my starting 11. As for a prediction... Now, I've gotten crushed for picking against Bayern a little bit. I'm not going to pick against him in this match. It has nothing to do with the peer pressure and the noise from the outside. I think Bayern's going to bounce back. I don't think it's going to be quite a pretty match or a dominant match, but it's going to be enough to start to build some momentum and give fans some hope. I think it's going to be 3-1. As you know, that's one of my favorite numbers to predict. I do think Bayern has a legitimate concern heading into this, but the team's talent level, the team's focus, and Tuchel's desire to get things right, I think will all come into play. And if 
Tuchel pushes the right buttons with his lineup. I think we will see Bayern Munich pull out the victory this weekend. Oh, so that will wrap up the preview portion of this show. We will now move over into one of the other huge topics of the week, and I'm not going to dwell on it too long, but Bayern Munich needs a striker. It's very, very obvious that they need someone. If they're going to operate with a lone striker, they're going to play a 4-2-3-1, that they need someone who can handle that position. Right now on this roster, Eric Maxim Chupomoting has been good this season. He is a very good backup player. We don't know how he would have performed on the big stage against Man City because he was hurt. We also have to factor in that he is now getting a little bit older, a little bit slower. Those bumps and bruises are going to take a little bit longer to heal. I think he still operates best as a backup. I think that Bayern Munich realizes that, and I think they are going to go pretty hard after a striker this offseason. Do they have someone on the roster that could fill that role other than Chupo? People talk about Matisse Tell, but he's still young. He might even profile as a winger in the future. He might not even really be a nine. We don't know at this point. We do know that there were some people within the organization that think Tell just is a better fit at wing. So we don't know where he'll end up just yet. But either way, he doesn't have that experience that you want for a club like Bayern Munich that's going to need to really come out and, and be a threat for the treble next season. Uh next season needs to be a statement season by all means what about Serge Gnabry could he make the move if you watched Man City versus Bayern Munich no he could not Kingsley Coman probably not Coman I think if you had to look at his positions now he's definitely a wing as we know but if you shift to a back three he's a very I think he's a good wing back I don't think he profiles as a striker any longer there was some thought earlier in his career that he could maybe play that role uh, he's got terrific speed, terrific footwork. Uh, but I think, as most people do, that the Coman just profiles better as a wing. Uh, what about Thomas Muller? No, Thomas Muller can't play striker. <laughs> so, so let's just get that out of the way. I know a lot of people would like to see Matthijs De Ligt play striker. I, I think he probably might be the best option on the roster right now. We kind of need him as a center back. So that won't happen either. Uh, but seriously, there have been some names that have emerged as potential candidates some of these we've seen some of these well they're new and that's about the best i can say let's take a quick run through them harry kane we've talked about kane ad nauseum don't believe he really wants to leave england don't believe byron really has a legitimate chance to land him i just don't think he wants this kind of move i don't think i think if byron could get him they certainly would I mean, it would cost a lot of money. I don't know what their appetite is. It doesn't seem to be uh, as high in terms of spending as Tottenham would like to get Kane. So I think that Kane is probably one we can safely cross off the list in some, unless something drastic happens. Victor Osman from Napoli has really emerged as one of the darlings of European football. He is openly, well, not openly, I guess, but there are reports that he would like to play for Bayern Munich. There are also reports that Bayern have spoken to his agent. But the problem with Osman is he's going to be a player that commands something north of nine figures just for a transfer fee. I think his salary probably would be affordable, nothing out of the realm of what is already on the roster, probably in that 18 to 22 million euro per season range. I don't know how doable it is. I can't see Bayern Munich bucking up nine figures for Osimhen. I think he's a fine player. 
It's one thing to do it at Napoli. It's another thing to do it at Bayern Munich. Uh, it's a little bit different, as we all know. Uh, and, you know, the good thing about Osman is he's got that Bundesliga knowledge. He's got that experience from his days at Wolfsburg. But he absolutely is going to cost a lot of money, and it just really remains doubtful that Bayern can, can shell out that much. Another option is Randall Kolomwani, who... And I track Frankfurt has looked really good. He has a lot of good characteristics you would want in a striker. Again, you can do it at Eintracht Frankfurt. Can you do it on a bigger stage? Luka Jovic could not. Ante Rebic really couldn't make it work. Sebastian Haller was okay in lesser leagues, not great in the bigger leagues, hasn't really been able to do it on the big stage. Uh, certainly ran into a horrible roadblock health-wise with Borussia Dortmund this season. Uh, but those are just some of the players that Eintracht Frankfurt has has had at striker. And you could throw Andre Silva into the mix, too. He has not quite been the same player since he left there. It, it, it's just something to look at, something to question. I don't know that, you know, for another player that might command nine figures in a transfer fee that you'd want to risk that on Kolo Moani. Uh, it's a gamble to me. I don't think he's a sure thing by any means. Tucson Vlahovic, uh, one of those the one of those instances where Juventus probably won't require a ton of money. I mean, 60 to 70 million for him. They're reportedly not very happy with him. Uh I'm sure, and in this I would bet a lot on this. He's probably experiencing fitness issues because there's not a great fitness program at Juventus. What he looks like at Juventus might look a little differently at a place like Bayern Munich, but again, Vlahovic is a is a gamble. It would be a calculated risk. The only difference between Vlahovic and some of the other options like Osman and Kolomwani is that he would probably cost anywhere from 30 to 40 million euro less. So just from a, I guess, logical standpoint, if you're being cost conscious, you might have to look a little closer at that one you might have to to really dig into, is he a player that you think you can get more out of than he has shown at Juventus? Maybe you can, but I don't know if that's a risk Bayern Munich is willing to take. He certainly has some red flags with him. I think fitness being at the top of the list, not everybody is going to be even enticed to lick and come in and, and change. Uh, some players are very set in their ways. Vlahovic is one of those players we don't know about just yet. So again, it's it looks a little doubtful on that one. <laughs> another option we've seen bandied about is Chelsea's Kai Havertz, who of course is not a true striker, but someone who Germany and Chelsea and even Bayer Leverkusen going back to those days, they've all experimented with using him as a nine uh, profile wise. He's got the height. He certainly has the speed, certainly has a nose for goal. His movement in the box, I think, leaves a lot to be desired. He's not always the most active player in the box and certainly not someone that I think could take advantage of his physical traits with those short darting runs and positioning his body to receive the ball to allow him to get off quick shots. He's not very good at that stuff, which is a little surprising, which is probably why through all these years he's profiled more as a 10 than a 9. Uh I do think, despite reports to the contrary, that Bayern Munich has some interest in Havertz. I think they like the fact that he's a Germany international. I think they like the fact that he can play the nine. I don't think Tuchel is someone that's totally going to limit himself. If he thinks he can get Havertz and he thinks he needs to play a two-striker system 
or the four triple two or something that takes away the focus from a sole target, man, he might do that in an effort to get a player like Hovards. Again, Hovards is someone who is probably on the more affordable end of this striker list. You have many clubs that are going to be asking nine figures for their, for their players. Chelsea has a, a glut of attackers. They need to unload some. They're certainly going to make moves to b- bring other attackers in. Uh, they're even thinking about getting rid of Mason Mount, who has been at, at several points linked to Bayern Munich, even though it's probably never going to happen. Uh, Havertz is one of those players that could see himself on the on the basically on the discount rack. Might be affordable, sixty to seventy million. I think would be a fair price for him. Is it a gamble that Bayern Munich's willing to take? I don't know. Is it something that Thomas Tuchel could push them into? Probably. Tuchel has the experience in coaching him already. If Tuchel wants Havertz, I believe it's going to happen this summer. And it will solely be dependent on that because at this point, they have no nine. <laughs> they can worry about what happens with the roster later because there is certainly going to be movement on this Bayern Munich roster this summer. And it could be an instance where the coach's familiarity with the player the fact that the player is a Germany international, all of that could come into into this thinking, and Bayern Munich could pull the trigger on that. One other attacking player we've seen Bayern Munich linked to, and this kind of broke late. Uh, Wilfried Zaha from Crystal Palace doesn't really profile as a striker. Has played there a little bit in his career, but is, he's known mostly for his play at left wing. Uh, this would be interesting because does Bayern Munich need another winger at this point? Uh, they have Sadio Mane, they have Serge Gnabry, they have Kingsley Coman, they have Leroy Sané, and they have Jamal Musiala, who still, I'll say this till I, the day I die, is probably the best winger on this team. Uh, they have a lot of options, in other words. They don't need a player like Zaha. I, I get that there will be movement. You could see as many as one or two players from that aforementioned wing group move on. I don't think Zaha is the type of player that they need. I mean, certainly... If you're looking at him as a winger, he can come in and do the job as a backup, I think. Would a role like that be appealing to him? Probably not. But this is one of those names that's been out there. He's also been linked to clubs like Arsenal, Borussia Dortmund, and AS Monaco. Uh, so, listen, take that with a grain of salt. I don't think he's an, necessarily an option to fill the nine role. But he is yet another attacking player who has been linked to Bayern Munich. Finally, the last thing I wanted to hit on, and this will be quick. Uh, we did learn this week that there is, I think, agreement on both ends here from Alexander Nubel and AS Monaco for the goalkeeper to return to Bayern Munich, which creates a hell of a log jam at goalkeeper. <laughs> Training sessions are going to be pretty wild next season if all of the team's goalkeepers are available. Uh, of course, if Nubel does return, he will join Manuel Neuer, who is expected to make a recovery from his injury. Jan Sommer, who is really, I think, done well uh, all things considered in it uh, during his time at Bayern Munich and Sven Ulreich who is the consummate backup a uh, good team guy definitely saw him getting in the face of some SC Freiburg players during Joshua Kimmich's meltdown after the win I guess I shouldn't say meltdown but over exuberant ex- over exuberant celebration I guess we should say uh, so Ulreich is a good guy players like him he Neuer likes him definitely fills a role that you need on the team in terms of backup goalkeeper who's capable. Uh, But having four keepers like that, it's not going to work. There's definitely going to be some movement. 
at this point, I think Tuchel and Brazo are going to have to put their heads together and they're going to have to look at this pretty objectively and say, we're going to need to make a decision on Alexander Nubel right now. And we're either going to roll with him for next season. He's going to be the man moving forward, or we're going to have to sell him because he's not going to be happy being a backup. Loaning him out another season probably isn't going to work. He's going to want some stability. And I honestly don't know uh, what the decision-making process is going to be between Neuer and Summer and what better way to eliminate that than to get rid of both of them. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but the most likely scenario here is that Nubel does get sold off, generates a little bit of revenue from the club. Their future, of course, at goalkeeper then goes away and they have to live with Summer and Neuer and whoever wins that battle to the death to be the starting keeper. And then probably Ulrich being the deep reserve sub who likely won't get used at all, but fills a lot of roles on the team in terms of just being a good clubhouse guy. So a lot of interesting movement there. There's going to be a lot going on this summer at Bayern Munich. I'm already like thinking I'm going to need to restock my coffee supply because we are going to have nonstop coverage of all of these potential transfers and all the stories that are going to break. I'm already kind of dreading all of that, but it's what we do at BFW. We try and sort through all this mess and give you guys good content to take a look at. I won't have an entertainment segment this week because I have not watched the latest episode of The Mandalorian and honestly have not watched a lot of TV in general this week. So I'm kind of off the grid. I don't watch Succession. Uh, I actually gave up on that on season one. It was just, uh, I don't know. I don't know what it was. just didn't click for me. I am in the minority with that. Totally understood. But uh, just not into it. Maybe at some point I will revisit that in my uh, watching career. But uh, that'll be it from me this week. Uh, as always, you can get me at the Barrel Blog on Twitter. You can get the site at Bavarian FB Works. You can get our Tweetmeister Tom Adams at Tommy Adams seventy one. You can get I need no name at BFWINN. INNN. I always mess that up. Uh, and you can always get our other talented podcasters and writers at BavarianFootballWorks.com. We've got a lot of great content we're generating for you. Uh, check us out. Drop us your comments, not just on this podcast, but on any of our posts. We love the interactions, even when you guys shred me and rip me, which I'm getting a lot of lately. Uh, that's okay with me. I don't mind disagreements. I really don't. Um, you know, keep it civil. It's all good with me. I don't really come out and insult people. So, uh, you know, I understand that I'm going to take some heat doing what we do, and that's fine. As you can see, I don't really get all fired up in my replies back. I just try and speak logically and build relationships with the people in our community because I think it's important. And uh, honestly, I respect everybody's opinion. So it's uh, not a big deal with me if you disagree with me. Anyway, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the match. And Hoffenheim's going to give Bayern a little bit of a fight, I think. But like I said, we are going to learn a lot about Thomas Tuchel and what his plans are for this team and what his decision-making process is going to be moving forward. Have a couple of beers on me. We will see you next time.